Open your Bibles tonight to the book of Psalm, please, chapter 103. Psalm chapter 103. We have been for a good while on Wednesday nights looking at selected psalms, just kind of cherry-picking some good uh, chapters that we like to talk about and read from. And so that's why we're doing this. I don't know that... Um, well, I do know that we won't cover all the psalms, but so we get to cover some of our favorites. And uh, we've talked about Psalm 91, Psalm 1, Psalm 23. Now we're on Psalm 103. And so I want to read the first five verses tonight from the Amplified Bible. And so you can read with me or you can uh, just listen and let it soak into your heart. Whatever you choose to do, it'll be good. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. God wants to minister to people tonight. So we're going we're gonna to lay hands on people. And I believe that the anointing of God is going to minister to people to produce change, not just temporary, momentarily change, but, but change, real lasting change. And so listen carefully to the word and let it just soak into your heart and take it root there. And we'll read, beginning with verse 1. We're going to only read verse through verse 5 again tonight. We know there's 22 verses in the chapter, but um, we won't cover all that tonight, of course. So I'm reading from the Amplified, so it's going to sound a little differently than you probably used to, but, um, but let, let it uh, speak to your heart. Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me. Bless His holy name. Bless affectionately, gratefully, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits, who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals each of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, soaring. Oh, hallelujah. You know, if we just left now, it's worth the trip here tonight. His presence is in this place. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. That word Lord there is the word Jehovah. That's the covenant name of God. We know that there are a number because we've already looked at some of them in this series in the different psalm about the names, the covenant names of God, the Jehovah names like Jehovah Rapha, Exodus fifteen twenty six, the Lord who heals us, the Lord who is our physician, our doctor, our healer. Jehovah Jireh, that wonderful name that Abraham received when he took Isaac up on the mountain and God provided the sacrifice. The Lord will provide. And we're living testimonies to that, aren't we? Praise God. This church and many individuals in here can say you've experienced Jehovah Jireh as well as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. I remember one time I, I uh, woke up early one morning and uh, this, was a, this was some time back ago. I remember I woke up very early one morning and I know this is going to sound a little gross and a little crude, but it's testimony anyway, went to the bathroom. I knew I had a severe problem when I saw that 
obviously, I was passing blood. And you know, that'll kind of wake you up. And so I just went to work. And we were on a trip. We were out of town. And so I just, you know, I only told Glenna. And uh, in a matter of just a few days, it all left. And it's never come back. You say, what was it? I don't know. And I don't care. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when, when we talk about Jehovah Rapha, you have, many of you, have some kind of testimony. Not that exactly, perhaps, and I hope not. But we can say that this is not theory. This is reality. This is real. Hallelujah. So I don't know what you might be facing tonight, and I don't know what, what you're dealing with, but I can tell you that God has not changed. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And one of the things we are doing here tonight is acting on the Word. We do that when we confess the Word. We do that when we praise. And we do that just by even coming and being a part of what's going on here because we are saying that we're saying amen to the Word that we hear. We're acting on the Word. I have recently gotten in possession of some material that I never had before from Brother John Lake, from one of the brothers who was with us in the meeting with uh, Brother Mark last week. And there's a quote in one of those books by uh, John G. Lake that I thought was so good. I wanted to share it with you tonight. And uh, he made this statement, I can act myself into believing faster than I can believe myself into acting. Now, you want to get that. I can act myself into believing faster than I can believe myself into acting. This isn't a mental game. It's not a game. It's, you know, we use the term battle, and I understand, and, and there is that aspect. There is a fight to faith. But it's a totally rigged fight. <laughs> it's completely fixed. And the outcome's already determined. That's why when you go into a faith fight, you can rejoice. No matter what's going on in your body or in your money or in your family or in your mind or in your business or your job or any place else, you can always rejoice for the victory even when you don't see it at the moment because the fight is fixed. We fight the good fight of faith, hallelujah, and victory belongs to us. It's ours. So I thought that was really good. I can act myself into believing faster than I can believe myself into acting. Amen. So bless the Lord. Affectionately, gratefully praise the God of covenant. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, my victor, my captain. Jehovah Shalom, the God of my peace. And I'm, that's not all of them. There are others. But that's the, the, the name Jehovah is connected to covenant, particularly in the Old Testament. And so when David wrote this psalm, he used that name Jehovah when he said, bless the Lord or praise the Lord, because that's what really that's about. It's about praising the Lord. And notice that he spoke to his soul. I don't know how much revelation he had of the triune man. Maybe he had more than we think, 
But nonetheless, we know today through having so much scriptural evidence, we understand that man is a trinity. He is a spirit being who possesses a soul and lives in a body. We can easily figure out the spirit is the part that contacts God and the spiritual dimension. It's the eternal part of man in the sense that it lives on forever. And then we know what the body is. The body contacts the physical. Well, that leaves only one other area that we ever deal with, and that's the area of the mental, emotional, and intellectual. So that has to be where the soul is. And it, of course, makes good sense that David, the spirit, the, the deepest part of him, would have to say to his soul, to his mind, to his emotions, to his will, because that's part of the soul, and to his intellect, he would have to say, you praise. Because you don't always feel like praising. You don't always want to. And it's not that you, as a believer, that you think God is bad or he's turned on you or he's let you down. That's not the reason. Uh, it's not that you're angry at God necessarily. Hopefully that's not anybody's place here because there's no reason to ever be angry at God. He's nothing but good and nothing towards you from him comes but love if, if we receive it. But sometimes we just feel tired and sometimes maybe we feel anxious. Now I know that we shouldn't get that tired and I know we should never be anxious. I know what the Bible tells us about casting our care over on the Lord and all that's important. But I don't know about all of you, but I do know for me, there have been times when I've dismissed it and I've got in a place where I didn't need to be. And I've had to repent, you know, I've had to ask the Lord to forgive me. I've had to kind of take myself by the, by the, the, the ear and get myself back on the right track because it's really easy to have a pity party if things are not going well. It's really easy to feel sorry for yourself if you've been done wrong, if you feel like you've been slighted or somebody has looked over you, looked past you, not done you right or whatever. It's really easy to get there and to get very emotional about it and even to cry over it and just, just kind of just have a pity party, we say. But what you have to know is that never moves God. Now, he knows what you're doing, he knows what you're saying, and he knows how you feel. Because as far as the feelings go, he's been there. But you cannot move the hand of God with your emotions. Only faith moves the hand of God. Faith is not an emotion. It is a spiritual force. But here's what you need to know. Your emotions can get in the way of your faith if you let them. They don't have to. But if you let them, your emotions will get in the way of your faith. Your intellect can get in the way of your faith. Some people are, we might say it this way, too smart for their own good. They know too many facts, quote unquote. And they, they have so much factual, natural evidence that it becomes very difficult for them to set that aside and believe that God's word is more than fact, it is truth. Amen. You see, you can have facts that say one thing, but truth of the word could say something else. And every time that happens, you have to choose. Do I go with the facts or do I go with the truth? And of course, truth 
will always prevail if you will agree with it. And one of the, one of the most important things we can do with our mind is to renew it to the Word of God. And I would say this, not necessarily in any particular order, it's certainly not first, but I don't know where it would be on a list, but it's very important that you avoid any informational source that hinders your faith. Now, our grandparents and great-grandparents and forebears, they did not have the problems, uh, they didn't have all the problems we have today. You know, I'm thinking about my grandmother, my dad's mother. She passed away when I was just a little boy. I barely remember her. And it was about 1960 or 61 when she went home to be with the Lord. She never had to deal with watching television and being bombarded with all these commercials about what disease should you pick to have this week. You know what I'm saying. Never had a cell phone. That while you're actually trying to look at something good, something pops up, you know, telling you the signs of this and the signs of that. And I'm telling you, you can absolutely go after that direction and you get in a mess mentally and emotionally. And so you have to really guard your heart. I think the message from Proverbs about guarding our heart, Proverbs 4.23 is probably more relevant for this generation right now than any previous generation. Because we have more things to bombard our heart than I think any generation has ever had. And so it's very important to be particular about what you feed yourself on spiritually. And it's very important that we learn that renewing of the mind only comes through thinking God's thoughts. I mean, what else would a renewed mind be? When God says to renew our mind, what else could he possibly be talking about other than to think the way he thinks? And how in the world will I ever know how he thinks if I never open his book? I mean, your Bible is God speaking to you. It's God's heart revealed. It's the opening up of his will. It's the thoughts and the intents of the heart of God. And that's the only way I'm going to renew my mind is by renewing it to the Word. And God's Word, unlike any other book on the planet or any other printed material there is anywhere or ever has been or ever will be, God's Word is alone a living book. Jesus said, it's alive. He said, the words I speak to you, John 6, 63, they are spirit and they are life. And the writer in the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, what is it, six and tw- uh, Hebrews 11, 6? No, 6, 12, I think, that the Word of God is alive and powerful. 4, 12, thank you. Alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Dividing either, even to the uh, asunder to, of the soul and the spirit. The Word of God's the only thing that really ever told man that he was a spirit and he has a soul. You can't find it out in psychology or psychiatry. You can't find it out any other place. Nobody knew it but God. Now, people might have caught on that there's some differences, but they didn't know what to call it. They didn't understand its origins. And, of course, if you're an evolutionist, it really becomes a problem because how did did we ever 
if we started out as just a physical being, how did we ever then have a, how did we ever become a soulish being? And then how would we ever have graduated to a spiritual being? I mean, you know, I, I know a tadpole becomes a frog, but a man without God's worse than a tadpole. <laughs> and frogs don't change just because you kiss them. Some of you ladies know that. <laughs> Just a little joke. But it's my job, it's your job to renew my mind and you to renew your mind to the things of God. And then, of course, we've got to position ourselves properly. And so when David wrote this, the words he's speaking really, it's just kind of an Old Testament version of some of this truth. He's saying soul, mind, feelings, emotions, will, you need to get busy and praise the Lord. So what this also tells me is that I need to praise God even when it's not convenient and I don't feel like it. I need to praise God when I come to church angry. When somebody's made me angry before church time. And you know, if it's just you and your spouse, then who would that person be, of course? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, I've got I've to choose to praise God. Maybe it's been a rough day. Maybe somebody told you something you didn't want to hear. Maybe, maybe there are some facts out there that don't look good. What do I do? I have a choice. David spoke to his soul, and he said... Bless the Lord. And he said, and this is not the way he worded it, but you can see it's there. Don't just do it halfway either. All that is deepest within me. You know, if we're not careful, we'll get into the mindset of it's just Wednesday. I really don't have to praise much. It's not Sunday. Or we can get into the mindset we come on Sunday. Well, you know, um, I'm sleepy. I'm tired. Uh... Lots going on. I got a lot coming up, you know. Uh, maybe we could just kind of get through this. You know, that, that's not the way to get God's best. The way to get God's best is just to go for that moment with all you have. While you're here, be here. I can promise you your problems will wait. I can promise you that person you're dreading to see, uh, they'll still be there. So why not put all that aside? And just come into the presence of the Lord and throw caution to the wind. And f for goodness sake, forget about what you look like and what people think you're going to, uh, you know, about you. And just turn it all loose and praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, David knew what that was about too. Because of all the mistakes David ever made and of all the things he ever did, uh, in spite of them, I guess we could say. One of the things that was a hallmark of King David was from the time he was a boy, he was a worshiper. He, he enjoyed what worship did. You know, I know that we worship God whether we feel it or not, whether we like something or not. I know that we are, we know that we should praise but I don't think that David became the great praiser that he was just because he felt obligated. 
you, you can't read what he wrote and look at his life without concluding that he tapped into something probably when he was all by himself with his daddy's sheep. He tapped into something that stayed with him the rest of his life. And one of the greatest quests of all of his life was to build this magnificent house of worship that the glory of God could come down in and that the people of Israel could know God is among us in a grand and glorious way. To the tune of billions of dollars in, in building materials to get the job done and all of the training of all the musicians and all of the singers and all of that that went on, that was the heart of King David. He was a worshiper. And so I can't help but believe that he tapped into the secret that every believer needs to know. And it's found in the 22nd chapter of Psalm. When the word says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So I believe that when he was out there tending his father's sheep. He knew, he learned the secret of how to get God to be with him. So that when the bear did come, and it did, and the lion comes, and it did. And later on, when Goliath came, and he did, he had an edge because God never would leave him. And he understood that praise is one of those keys. And so I just want to encourage you. If, if, if you're a little uncomfortable, just, just step out a little bit, at least, from that comfort zone and begin to be a worshiper and a praiser of God. Start before you get here. You know, don't wait till you get to church to get church on your mind. You're having church before you get here, then you're going you're gonna to be good when you get here too, praise the Lord. And of course, we read Sunday morning about Solomon building that temple. He got it built. And when he dedicated it, the key that brought the glory was the sacrifices and the sacrifices of praise of the people of God. It was noisy. It was loud. They had 120 priests sounding with trumpets. That's not a quiet service. They had singers. They had stringed instruments. They had, they had all, of these, all of this beautiful sound of praise. And you know what? God liked it. He loved it. He liked it so much that he just came down in the middle of them with such power and glory that people saw what appeared to be a cloud. It wasn't a fog. And by the way, it wasn't a fog machine either. Uh, it, it wasn't a, a natural cloud. It wasn't water vapor. Dust wasn't steam, but it looked like a cloud. It was the glory of God, the manifested presence of Almighty God that was so powerful that the priests couldn't stand up. They couldn't stand up to minister. I mean, probably a, a, a camera person and a news anchor would have looked and seen it all, and they would have thought, Man, these people are loud, and it's pandemonium. They're making all this noise, and people are laying down, and, and there's blood everywhere, all these sacrifices. And somehow or another, the people that know what's going on seem to think it's great. 
But you know it would have looked strange to a heathen. It would have looked strange to somebody that didn't know what was going on. They offered blood sacrifices that could no longer be counted. And of course, it was all a picture of the redemptive price that Jesus would pay on the cross for us so that we too could stand and magnify and glorify the God of heaven and so that we could live in the glory and not only we could live and experience his glory, but the glory of God could come into us, our tabernacle. This house of clay could be filled with the presence of God. And sometimes when that happens, you can't stand up either either you can't tell it in words that your uh, your mind can comprehend and and sometimes you just easier to speak with tongues than to speak with english because your spirit knows things and expresses things that your mind is not yet caught up with oh hallelujah let's put our hands up and just worship the lord a moment Hallelujah! Every Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> oh, He's good. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, Hallelujah! 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 Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah! Ha 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 ha. You know, everybody wants 2020 vision. There used to be an old country back to bluegrass song, 2020 vision, and still walking around blind. You've heard that, I bet, Glenn. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> 2 Chronicles 20, 20. That's what I'm talking about. Because in this particular situation, the people of God were getting ready to come under siege, come under attack at least, by the enemy. And they were far outnumbered. It looked hopeless. The facts, again, said this is a disaster getting ready to happen and the people of God are going to go under they're going to lose. They're going to, you know, they're going into a slaughter. And then, by the Spirit of God, the word came, and King Jehoshaphat was bold enough, and I might add smart enough, wise enough, to do what God said, even though it looked foolish, never been done before. Um, there was no, no, he couldn't go back and look even in the, 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 the scrolls of, of, of that would have, they would have had at that time. There was nowhere he could go back and look and see where this, anybody ever done this before. But the instruction from God was that they were to put those people who were praisers in the front of the army. I'm sure that was one day when being on the praise team was a real test of dedication. <laughs> you know, it's. It's easy to be up here when everything's going well, but to put you out in front of an army when there were actually three armies arrayed against them that had come in uh, allied together to destroy Israel. But the instruction of God was that they go forth, and they went forth singing and praising, or the declaring, for the Lord is good, 
And his mercy endures forever. And you know what? God, the Bible says, set ambushments against these enemy armies. And they began to kill each other and turn on each other. The army of Israel never had to lift a sword. Not one praiser died. I'm sure when that day was over, they were glad that, that this is over. And I'm sure that those who were uh, in that group out front told that story to their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids until everybody probably got tired of hearing it. They probably said, oh, here Grandpa goes again telling that story. I've heard it a hundred times. But you know, when you find these kinds of landmarks in your life, you, you, you got to tell it. They overcame, Revelation says, uh, twelve eleven, I think it is. They overcame him, talking about Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's tribulation, saints. We're not in the tribulation. You know, you getting stuck in traffic is not the great tribulation. <laughs> you know, waking up in the morning and, and then realizing I forgot to buy the cream, that's not the great tribulation. Tribulation saints will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So how much more can we be overcomers with the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony declaring the goodness of God? And they won this great battle. And the Bible says they were three days carrying away the spoil. So in ancient times in battle, if you lost... You most probably lost your life, but you lost everything. And for some strange reason, and we've not told in the scripture why this would have happened, evidently they had such confidence and assurance that they were going to defeat Israel that they actually brought along a bunch of jewelry and great wealth. And so what Israel did after these, uh, uh, the, uh, the enemies were defeated, they just went out and started plucking all this stuff off those dead bodies. Can you imagine people going out and just picking up rubies and diamonds and taking all this stuff, gold and silver? And the Bible says there was so much that they were three days, three days carrying back the spoil. So they were, you know, a day, average work day in those days would have been about a 12-hour day. If you read G, in Jesus, you know, stories and, and parables and things he talked about, it had been about a 12-hour day. Can you imagine that there were so much riches, so many things that it took about 36 hours of all these people just to gather it all up? Woo, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so when you see us praising and when you see us shouting and you see us dancing, you got to know, yes, we're magnifying God. Yes, we're acknowledging God. Yes, we're humbling ourselves before God, willing to be laughed at, willing to be mocked, willing to be scorned or whatever. But one other thing we're doing, my brother and sister, we're collecting up some spoil. We're picking up some spoils. Hallelujah. We're picking up the good things that God has provided. The wealth of the wicked laid up for the righteous. Our healing, our blessings. All those things the enemies tried to keep from us. Thank God he is a defeated foe. Go take what belongs to you. It's yours. You're not trying to get it. It's yours. Pick it up. Take it. Receive it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'll close with this one. Isaiah chapter 54, the prophet speaks, the Lord inspired him to speak and say, Sing, O barren, and thou that didst not bear, for more of the children of the desolate than, than that of the married wife. And of course, the whole idea was that, that, that the uh, barren woman in those days felt scorned or left out uh, because children were included in the blessing of God. Their understanding was that if they couldn't have children, then something was lacking and where was their blessing? And, and people in that position, uh, I know it's not just, it's not good, it's not right, but they were probably scorned. They were probably shunned a little bit. They were made to feel like that they were less of a citizen. That would have been their understanding. And that's one of the reasons the prophet said to sing because you can praise your way out of any mess. And you can sing your way from a place of barrenness or a place that's not productive. It might be literally that you want a child, but it may be that you have some barren areas of your money. It might be you have barren areas in relationships. You might have barrenness in your physical body, not necessarily unable to bear children, but there may be something not working right or something that's just not there. I don't know what it may be, but your instruction is, if you receive it, you need to sing. You may not feel like it, and it may not look like it makes any sense, but you need to sing. You need to declare the goodness of God. You need to lift up the name above every name, the name of Jesus. You need to let the Holy Ghost take over this situation and turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Sing, O barren. Paul and Silas knew about it in Acts 16. They, they had every opportunity to gripe, every opportunity to bellyache, every opportunity to say, why me, Lord? You know, why did this happen to me? They had every opportunity to sing the old song, if it would have been written then. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I would have no luck at all. You know, the hee-haw song. But you know, they didn't do that. The Bible says at midnight. At midnight. I believe it was midnight literally, but I'm also believing it must have been the dark part of the night. I'm saying that you could say figuratively, maybe you have been to that midnight place. Maybe somebody's there now in your life. What do you do? You sing and you praise God. Not just because the preacher said it and not just because you find some instances like we have tonight in Scripture, but because you believe that His Word is true. And you will do, and I quote again, I haven't got it memorized yet, but I want to. That you can act yourself into believing faster than you can believe yourself into acting. So you just act like the Bible's true. And if you believe that you have received, if you believe the Bible's true, then you've got to shout. Not a long face and not a sad story, but you have a shout of praise. Woo-hoo, glory. You've got something to shout about. So you can act your way into believing faster than you can believe yourself into acting. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> that's a long way from Psalm 103. But anyway, we, we took a lot of liberties here, but that's all right. 
We'll get to more of it next week. Praise the Lord. But tonight, they're going to sing something good. Something, something fast, not, not anything slow. We won't know tear-jerker songs at this point. And I don't know, it may be one person, two persons, three, four, five potatoes, six potatoes, seven potatoes, more. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, in, I, I'm led of the Lord that we need to lay hands on those who want this to be a time of change. You're not coming to see if something happens. You're coming to receive. Your age, remember we read from the Amplified where it talked about, let me read that again, that was so good. Um, Psalm 103, let me find it here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Oh, my helpers come up here. Praise the Lord. Good, good, good. Let me just read that whole five verses again, then we'll move on. Bless affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me. Bless his holy name. Bless affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not one of all his benefits. Who forgives every one of all your iniquities. Who heals each one of all your diseases. I'm going to stop here a minute and say something else. Do you remember in in Jesus uh, when he ministered in the Gospels. How many times people would get angry at him. I mean they got very incensed at Jesus. When he mentioned to people their sins were forgiven. You remember that? You've read that in your Bible? And if he didn't heal on the Sabbath, which for some reason he seemed to do a lot of that. I guess it's when they were meeting for their meetings. But if it wasn't like some kind of a Sabbath issue, they didn't necessarily seem to feel as bad about the healing. They just couldn't accept that he was telling people they were forgiven. Well, fast forward 2,000 years. 2022, United States of America, the American church. Don't you think it's odd that today everybody preaches to everybody, the Lord will forgive you of anything, everything, all you need to do is ask and repent, and we believe that? I believe that. Don't you believe that he will forgive you? But now the tables have been turned. Now people have a problem with the healing. Who do you think you are laying hands on people? Who do you think you are pronouncing healing? In Jesus' name. The point I'm making is that religion will always try to turn the tables to get you away from the thing that God's trying to get to you. The devil will always try to hang you up on some little point of order here or there that many many times doesn't mean much, but he'll try to make it a big, big deal, all with the intent and purpose just to keep you from receiving. Whatever it takes to keep you from getting your miracle, whatever it takes to keep you from getting your deliverance, whatever it takes to keep you from being healed, that's what he's interested in. We read on. Who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, we're reading about the benefits, dignifies and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age, In other words, you're not too old. 
Yeah, I, I, 64 is not 24, but you can be a healed 64, a healed 84, a healed 94. Miss Laura, you got a couple years before you're even 94, but healed 92. It, that, that's not the issue. Nobody ever came to Jesus and he said, well, look how old you are. Why are you bothering me? All these younger folks. No, 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 it, it doesn't matter. Who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, soaring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise 